Um, you know, on the way to um, on the way to church this morning, um, I was thinking about the graduates. You know, and I, I, I was just thinking about we're going to honor graduates today, and that's always such a cool time. You know, when we do that, it, it's it's awesome. And I and I sort of reminisce back to my old high school days. My my, my class is preparing. They're, we're planning our 50 year high school reunion right now. 50 years. You know, where, where in the world did time go? And, and so all that's going on. But I began to think about, I started thinking about friends. You know, when you're in high school and you meet so many of your friends and they're so close and you grow up with them, sometimes you go all the way through elementary school to high school. And then, then I was starting to think about how many of my friends that, that really there's just a small little group of friends that have stayed in my life all these years. And uh, because when you go away, like uh, if you go to work or if you go to college or if you go into the military, whatever, trade school, whatever you do, you know, you, you sort of move into a different and you meet, you meet new people and then life just brings different, then you go to work or wherever you're gonna, whatever you're gonna do and the people come into your life and it just changes. But one thing that I do know about friends is that f- friends matter in our lives and, and the community that we find ourselves in, our circle of influence, the community, like in our church, it's a community and you know, that we find ourselves in is really important. I really believe that um, this is something I, I believe that our friends in life largely determine the quality and direction of our lives. Friends have a huge impact on us, the people that we live with and do life with. And you know, in the church, it, it's no different. Uh, a church, if we're going to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, his causes and, and his plans, and if we're going to bring him glory, we have to do it as a community of believers, a, a group of people that come together and work together and um, love each other and care for each other and all pitch in and do our parts so that we can advance the kingdom. We have to do that as a church. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, today, we're going to finish up the book of Colossians. Now, we've been in this book for months. Uh, we've been looking at uh, Colossians from the very beginning. In the very beginning, Paul talked to us about um, what a believer looks like, what, what a Christian looks like. And then he talked about what the church looks like. Uh, and then he took some time and talked about Christ and really focused on Jesus and talked about the supremacy of Christ. And then from there, he moved on to very practical matters about how we're supposed to interact and live our lives with each other and how we're to practically live out our Christian lives on a day-to-day basis. And so we've, we've gone through all of that together as Paul wrote this letter to that church in that city of Colossae with all those new Christians there. And we, so we've looked at all of that together. Well, today is the last message in the book. And it's an interesting passage of scripture because you know, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, have you ever done this? You know, you're reading the Bible and you read through a book or you read through a passage, you, you get through the end of the book. And, and sometimes the way the letters were written, the epistles in the Bible were written, there are greetings at the end of the letter. So like at the very end of the letter, you know, all of a sudden the person that wrote the letter will say, hey, by the way, say hello to so-and-so for me. And, and somebody sends their, you know, so-and-so sends their greetings. And we read those kinds of things. And very often when we get to those places in the Bible, we sort of read them quickly and we just sort of blow past them. You know, it's like, okay, he's saying hello to this guy and hello to that guy and that lady. And yeah, you know, this this isn't important. Let me get to the next place that I need to start studying. But I believe that everything that is in the word of God, 
Everything from Genesis to Revelation, everything has been placed there by God for a reason. And when we get to the end of the letter of Colossians and Paul starts his greetings, it's really easy to go, well, we, he's taught us everything he's going to teach us. Let's just blow through this and move on. But I believe as we read the end of Colossians and look at the passage we're going to look at today, as Paul greets people and talks about sending greetings and those kind of things, there is a really valuable lesson that we can take away from this. Paul may not have even realized when he was writing his letter, he probably was, he was through giving instruction. He's like, okay, I've given him what I want to give him. And then he starts saying greetings and he never probably dreamed that there would be lessons in his greeting. But there are. And, and the lesson is all about community. Because what we're going to see today is we're going to see a number of people that are all different. We're going to see people that were involved in Paul's ministry that helped Paul be successful in his ministry. Very often when you think of the Apostle Paul, we think about him. We, we think, man, that guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We think about all the great letters that Paul wrote and the, all the lessons that he taught us and, and all the studies we've done with Paul. We think about Paul, 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 Paul. But what we don't think about are all these other people that were there with Paul, ministering alongside Paul to help Paul accomplish the mission that God had given him for the church and for Christianity. And so today, as Paul wraps up this letter and he mentions these people, I want to go through the list of people that he mentions, and I want to talk about each one of them for just a moment, because each one of them are so different. Each one of them brings something different to the equation, uh, and, and each one of them are special in their own right. And I believe that as we look at that, as a church today, that we can see that if we're going to advance the kingdom, if we're going to bring God glory, if we're going to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, that it takes all of us. It takes all of us as a community. It takes each one of you and your special gifts and your talents and your personality and your passions and your resources and your education and your life experiences. It takes all of those things and, and to, together and, and everybody being different to come together, put all those things in one pot in this local church that we call Heartland Church and stir it up because when you bring all those things together, it creates a powerful entity that can make a real difference for the cause of Christ. And so I want you to see that today. So as I go through these people today, I want you to do something. I want you to listen as I describe these people and talk about their life. And I want you to think, is that me? Where do I fit in this? You know, am I this kind of a person? Can I relate to this? Am I involved? Am I not involved because of some of the things that we see here? So see where you fit in and see where you might could plug in and see if you need to make any changes to your life. Well, we're going to be at the end of Colossians. We're in chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 18 today. So let me read the passage and then we'll come back and talk about these folks. And by the way, I, I'm just going to tell you this up front. I love this place in Scripture. These are the coolest names anybody ever gave their kids. I want some of you to think about naming your next child Tachicus and Aristarchus and Onesimus. There is a Mark and a Luke in there. That doesn't count. I want these cool names, okay? Oh, think about that. I mean, these, these are cool names, but listen, but listen to this. Paul says, he's writing and he says, now Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. 
He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, I've sent Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And then there's Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. He greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, now concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision. So in other words, those are the only two Jewish guys that were with Paul. He goes, these are the, men of the, the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. And then there's Epaphras, uh, who is one of you. And remember, Epaphras, we've talked about him every week. He is the guy that when that group of people left the city of Colossae, when they heard about this guy named Paul preaching over 100 miles away in a city called Ephesus, they got a group of people, traveled over to hear about this new thing, this new Christianity thing. Some of them got saved. They gave their life to Jesus while they were there. They came back to Colossae, and Epaphras was the guy who started the new church, became the young pastor of the church. And he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, now Epaphras had gone to see Paul, he says, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And then he said, remember my change. Remember he was in prison and grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this letter. God, we've traveled a real journey going from the beginning of this to the end. And now here we are. And Paul is greeting these people, God. And God, we see some lessons here for us. Help us to see ourselves in the stories of these people and help us to Think about our own lives and where we need to plug in and how we might be a benefit to the kingdom through our local church. And Father, help us, a us as a church and as a people to always be most concerned about advancing the gospel and about bringing you glory. And Father, we thank you now and ask you to open our ears and our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, well, when we look at these, these names, I mean, we've got Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, all these people that we've got here. When we look at these, you know, we, these are team members of, of Paul's. So often, as I said, we don't think about the people that were around Paul helping him out. We just sort of think about the apostle Paul because he was bigger than life guy. And, and then, you know, I won't... But this morning, I want to look at those. So I want us to briefly look at each of these individuals. I want us to see their uniqueness because each of them were unique, just like you guys are unique. The diversity in the group, just like you guys are a diverse group. There are different gifts and, and how they, bringing them all together, they were able to move and advance the kingdom of God forward and make a difference for, for, for God. And I want you to see their community and, and hear the love they had for each other and how they each brought something to bear into the ministry. 
And the first guy we're going to talk about this morning is Tychicus. Tychicus was an encourager. Okay, that's a word I would say if we're going to describe him, he would be an encourager. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful ministry and fellow servant in the Lord. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and listen to this, that he may encourage your hearts. So he's an encourager. He's described him as a beloved brother, as a faithful minister, as a fellow servant. And so, you know, think about this. Life wasn't easy for these people that were surrounding Paul. Paul's in prison as this letter's being written. So Paul's got people around him that have stuck by him in ministry. And, and, and Paul needs an encourager. And the people in the church need an encourager, the church at Colossae. And so Paul is saying that Tychicus is such a guy. He's, he's an encourager. And, you know, so let's think about that for a moment in the context of current ministry. We need people that are encouragers in ministry today. As your pastoral staff, we need encouragers. We need people that encourage us and, and, um, and, and send us, you know, nice emails and, and, and things and, and text and tell us what's going on and that, that they're excited about what go, what's going on and what God's doing. And, and they, they encourage us. Other ministry leaders need encouragers. Our church needs encouragers. So let me ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> Are you an encourager? You know, this week, um, you know, I was talking about friends and community and family. I, I got an email last week from a, a gentleman in our church named, named Bart Bryant. And um, I didn't know Bart real well met Bart here. He's been coming to Heartland, him and his wife Donna, for about a year. He went to church over in Winter Park at Church of the Cross, which is a wonderful church over there. I know the pastor, Clayton Clore over there. They're just great people. And, and uh, they've, been, they, they've been here at Heartland for about a year. They're involved in the, the Barons, uh, Chad and Stephanie Barons' small group, and just wonderful people. And um, an encourager. He wrote me the nicest email about praying after the, after the sermon on praying for your pastors. And he just sent me this, this email and said, you know, they would like to get to know me and Nancy better. And I, I, I responded back to the email and, and, you know, just that was just a few days ago. A couple of days after I sent the email back, um, I got a call in my office that Bart was killed in an automobile accident last week. And, uh, May, um, and uh, he and his wife Donna were in the accident. Donna survived the accident and is okay. Uh, but they're, they're grieving. His service is tomorrow at, at, at Church of the Cross over in Orlando, and it will be live streamed at 3 p.m. And uh, I'm telling you this just because I think you need to see an example of an encourager. He was always an encourager. Bart was known as an encourager. Everybody that knew him, that has talked to me, that really knew him, talks about what an encourager he was. What you would never know is that Bart was a PGA Tour player. He beat Tiger Woods 10 years ago by six strokes in one match and four strokes in another. He's playing on the Champions Tour right now. And he sat right here in Heartland Church for a year and no one would have ever known who he was and that he was a big time PGA golfer because he always put Jesus first and not that first. And he was a humble man who liked to encourage other people. Pray for his family. They're going through a difficult time right now. And again, the funeral's this week. And, and, uh, and listen, I would encourage you just, just go out and check him out on you know, YouTube and just check the guy. I'm talking, this was a serious guy that could have stood up and said, these are my accomplishments and this is what I've done, but he didn't do that. He put Jesus first and he encouraged people. 
And that's what I'm talking about. We need encouragers, don't we? We need encouragers. And, and so maybe you're an encourager. Maybe that's your gift. And then we, we have Onesimus, a man with a sinful past. Onesimus was a runaway slave. Now, in that culture, we know that slavery is not a good thing, and we know all that stuff. But in the culture back then, people owned slaves. And, when, and it was really bad if a slave ran away. And Onesimus was a slave to a guy named Philemon, and he ran away. And, um, and so, uh, matter of fact, Paul wrote the letter in the Bible, Philemon, to Philemon about Onesimus. It was, much of it was about Onesimus, who had run away, about receiving him back. And so um, Onesimus was, was this runaway slave. So he had committed sin and um, he had a sinful past. And, uh, but look how Paul describes him in verse nine. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Now, so Onesimus now is on Paul's team. He was formerly this person that had sinned. And now, he's a, now he is a, on Paul's team. And, and here's what I want you to take away from Onesimus. He was a man with a sinful past, but now he's doing good things for the kingdom and God is using him in a big way. I want you to understand and take away from this that it doesn't matter if you have a sinful past, God can still use you if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Amen. Because quite frankly, I don't know if I've met many people in my life that don't have a sinful past. But, but if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that all things, the old things pass away and all things become new. You're a new creation in Christ and just because you did that thing, had lived that lifestyle, had that attitude, treated people that way, weren't a nice person because you did all that stuff and you did it for a long, long, long time, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west and you might not have done much for Jesus then, but you can do a whole lot for him now. That's the way it works. And so we can take that from Onesimus. So we don't want you to be afraid to plug into Heartland if you've got a sinful past. You, you might say, well, hey, I, I grew up in this town and everybody knows me and they know what I was and what I did and how I did it. Listen, you've got your, your faith in Jesus Christ right now. I could give a rip about all that stuff. What I care right now is that you're sold out to Jesus and we got things to do and places to go. That's what we need to do, right? Then there's another guy, and I love his name. This is my favorite name out of all of them, Aristarchus. Name your kid, Aristarchus. This is a great name. A man with a sympathetic heart, a kind guy, you know, real nice, sympathetic, empathetic. You know, Aristarchus was a Jewish believer. He's one of the two Jewish fellows that were there in Paul's inner circle, and he served by Paul's side through thick and thin. He was actually seized by a rioting mob one time in Ephesus and, and they recognized him as one of Paul's companions. So they seized him, he got arrested and, and he, was, he was with Paul on a number of his journeys and Paul calls him a fellow prisoner. But now when we read that, sometimes you think, okay, he was in jail with Paul. Well, he was not in jail. Most theologians say he wasn't really in jail with Paul. He's, Paul is calling him a fellow prisoner because he's stuck by Paul's side. He's been there with Paul. Uh, you know, and even though Paul's in prison and even though it's affecting his life, he hasn't left Paul's side. He's still there with him. He's still helping him in, in the ministry. He's sharing Paul's prison experience. And, and the, so the fact that he chose to make Paul's lifestyle his own, that, that talks about having a sympathetic heart, an empathetic heart. You know, he's one of those folks, the way I would see it in church today, he's one of those people that works in the ministry, but they're not in the limelight. 
you know, there are people here at Heartland, we've got so many people, man, thank goodness, thank y'all so much for 220 VBS volunteers. That's just incredible. And there are a lot of people working behind the scenes. There are ladies that come into church every week and they put the little cards in the back of the seats and the pens in the back of the seats and they, they, they never get any glory for it. No one ever says anything about it. They just do it because they love Jesus and they're, they're serving behind the scenes. And so that's what kind of person that Aristarchus was. He was just one of those behind the scenes kind of of people. But, But we love those kind of people. We need those kind of people. Everybody doesn't like the limelight and everybody doesn't need the limelight, you know? And, uh, you know, everybody doesn't have to be on stage. There's a lot of ways you can serve Christ. In the church today, we need people that are behind the scenes willing to serve. And so is that you? Are you somebody that could do something but you're not? You're, you know, you could do it, you can do it behind the scenes? Think about that. Then there's Mark. He talks about Mark. Now, Mark is the man with a second chance. I love Mark. Mark is one of those guys that God gave a second chance. Paul gave a second chance. And I don't know about you, but I needed a, in my life, I've needed second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances, seven chances. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He just help us out. I mean, I'm so glad that God is a God of second chances. And with Mark, we can see this. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, verse 10, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. See, Mark was a companion of uh, Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey. But when they went out on the journey, they got about halfway out there and it got kind of tough. And, And Mark bailed out on Barnabas and Paul. And so the next time Paul went out on a missionary journey, he he asked Barnabas to go. Barnabas said, yeah. He goes, I'll bring Mark. And Paul said, no, you won't. He said, I don't want that guy. He's a quitter. And so there was a little bit of tension there between them. And and, and, and so all that's going on. So he's a guy that's got some problems. He's a quitter, a failure in the past. He's He's messed up in the past. But now we see him as one of Paul's trusted inner circle. He's come a long way. And we can see that, that, that he is now part of the ministry and he's really important to Paul. And uh, Paul, he says, he says that he's one of his special companions. And, and so I see here that, that this is a guy that has been given a second chance. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes what we do in church is we live our lives and, and, and we, maybe you've been in church for a while and, and you know one day you tried something. Maybe you, were, maybe you were in another church. Maybe you were at this church. But you tried something you to, get, to get involved in it and it flopped. It just didn't work good. It just flopped. It failed. And so a lot of people, they will feel defeated and then they will sit down and they go, well, I tried it one time and it failed and I'm never getting involved again. And, and, and I think we can learn a lesson from this that listen, it doesn't matter if you failed at something before. You learn from those, those times when you fail and when things don't go right. You learn from those, but that doesn't mean you don't put your next foot forward and that you don't keep going. God may have something great for you to do. Don't let Satan use a past failure to define your future. Your failure does not define your future, right? And so we need people in church that have had failures. Quite frankly, if you're perfect, come talk to me. I don't even know if I want you there because you're going to make me feel bad, because I fail all the time. And so, but, but, but failure is when you grow. The Bible says in James, it says to consider it joy when we face trials. You know what trials are? Trials are failures, aren't they? A lot of times. And so we'll consider it joy because it builds perseverance. It builds character. It builds all those things in that you need. And so here we see somebody that Mark, that has failed, but now he's being used mightily by God. 
Maybe you're sitting here today and you failed at some point in time and you've never plugged in and God is just waiting for you to plug in because you're the next big thing for the kingdom. You don't know. And so we learn that from Mark's life. And then there's justice. Justice is a man of commitment. Uh, it, it says in verse 11, in Jesus who is called justice, these are the only men of circumcision. So here's another Jewish guy, okay, that's there and um, he's working and he's, there's not a lot known about justice in the Bible. There's, there's not a, a bunch of stories about him or anything like that. He was Jewish. We know that he was Jewish and we know that he stuck by Paul's side. And now, not a lot of Jews liked Paul at all. Paul's own people did not accept Paul's message very well. Matter of fact, the Jews, the leaders in Jerusalem, you know, they tried to kill Paul. They plotted to kill him and they denounced him to the Roman authorities. So, but justice, he, he was a Jew and he stuck by Paul. He was committed to the ministry, to the, the faith, to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was committed to doing that. And so he was willing to take a stand even though that stand was gonna cost him and even though it was hard. And, and listen, for a church to have a community, for us to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, we need people that are committed to the cause of Christ. We need people that are committed we need people that are willing to, to go the distance, people that will do the stuff that is difficult, people that won't give up when the going gets tough, people that will stand in the gap and be there and, and work with us for, for the gospel. We need people that are committed. And that's what justice, that's what his life teaches us. And then there's Epaphras. Now, Epaphras, remember, we've talked about him a lot because he's the guy that went with that group of people over to Colossa. He's the guy that became a believer and put his faith and trust uh, in Jesus and came back and, and started the church in Colossa. And so he, Paul says, Epaphras is one of you. He's a servant of Christ and he's with Paul right now. He says, he greets you. And, and, and he says, he's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So Epaphras is always praying. Epaphras is something that every church needs. Churches need prayer warriors. Okay, but churches need more than prayer warriors and I'm just gonna tell you something right now and I'm just telling you this is coming and I don't know how it's coming but this has been on my heart. I've been reading books about it. I've been getting everything ready to go and, I, and this is coming. We don't just need prayer warriors. We need as a church to be having times together in corporate prayer. Did you hear what I said? Let's put it in the old timey days. We need to have a prayer meeting and we need to have them regularly. We talk three minutes on Sunday morning is not corporate prayer the way we need to be having corporate prayer. You look in the Bible, every time that something powerful happened and the reason churches, we can look back in history and see all the power that God was doing in the church is because people were together corporately crying out to God for God to do something special. Everything big that happened in the Bible is always preceded by corporate prayer. We're gonna put corporate prayer at Heartland Church. We're putting it in place. I don't know what it's gonna look like exactly. It might be once a month. It might be once every couple of weeks, but we're gonna set aside a night. We're all gonna to get together. We're gonna to invite you and we're gonna come in and it is gonna be a time of corporate prayer. We need that. Amen. Right? We need it, guys. We need it. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be a success as a church, now, and listen, I'm not, can I get real quick? I know I'm going over. I don't care. It's 11 o'clock service. Okay, here it is. 
listen, when I say success is a church, I, I know we're a big church. I know that Heartland, we, we have a couple thousand people that show up here, I, and I know that's big. And I know that when I say success, I, I don't want you ever to get the wrong idea when I say success. So can I just clear that up today? I want, I want you to know what I mean when I say success as a church. I do not mean numbers of people. I cannot stand it. People, when I go out and I talk to other pastors, I used to do this myself. I no longer do this. But pastors, will, one of the first things a pastor will ask another pastor when you meet them is they'll go, how many are you running? What, does, what difference does that make? We could be running 50,000 people and have three that really have a relationship with Jesus. You know what? We ought to be asking each other is are your people in your church growing deeper in their relationship with Jesus and are your disciples making other disciples? That's what we ought to be asking. That's what we ought to be asking. And you know what? If we start doing this corporate prayer thing, I think God's going to show up. We're going to see some disciple things going on and we're going to start making other disciples and it's going to change our church. But I want you to understand how I see success. Do I, would I like to see more people come to our, yes. Why? Because I know they're going to hear the gospel and hopefully they'll get saved and they'll go deep in their discipleship. But listen, if we have eight people sitting out here and if that's what it takes, but we can get those eight people to go deep, then so be it. Because we're supposed to be, we're commanded in scripture to be disciples and to make other disciples. And so that's how I see success as a church. Just want you to know, if anybody ever says, all that Ed Kendrick cares about is numbers, well, you can tell me, yeah, he does care about numbers because he wants to see people saved. But I can tell you what he really cares about. He wants to see people grow in their relationships with Jesus, period. Amen. That's it. That's what we believe here at Heartland. So, so uh, you know, and then, so Epaphras is a guy and he's got a single-minded passion. He's, you know, he's all about prayer. He's all about discipleship. He wants to see the people grow. He's a pastor, right? He's a pastor. So that's his heart. And then we get to Luke. Now, all of us know Luke. You know, Luke is one of those guys we know, a man with a specialized talent. What was a specialized talent? He was a doctor. Doctor, doctor, please. Remember that song? Anyway, excuse me. Every now and then, never now and then, my past just creeps in. But, but anyway, okay, Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Okay, Luke was a personal physician as well as a friend. He, he was a Gentile believer. He traveled with Paul. He wrote the book of Luke and Acts, the gospel in, in, in the Bible. He wrote those books. And uh, he was, a, but, but here's what I want you to take away from Luke in this context. Luke was a man who had a very specialized talent. He was a physician, but he was traveling with Paul and using his specialized talent for the kingdom of God. And so what does that mean for you and me? Well, in a church our size, there are a lot of people, and there are a lot of people, all of you, unique or, or created by God in a unique way, and all of you have specialized gifts and talents. And what, what, if we're going to be the kind, if what we got to do, if we're going to be the kind of a church that advances the kingdom and brings glory to God, we have to all bring our specialized gifts and talents to the table so we can put them all together and be a mighty force for the kingdom of God. And, and maybe you're here today and you have a special talent. Maybe you're here today and there's something that you can do and we don't even know you can do it because you haven't told anybody and, and, and you're not really using it for the kingdom and you're just kind of sitting on it, right? I mean, think about it. There are some of you out here right now that can sing. I, now, no, let me take that back. We don't, you can't just sing, you can sing. There's a difference in singing and singing. Okay, you can sing. 
And there's some of you out there that think you can sing. And you can't even sing. But anyway, you, it, there's some of you. But there are some of you out there that really, you, you could just blow us away. And you're just sitting there. And you could be up on this stage honoring God and leading people in worship. Because you have a specialized talent. Some of you play guitar. Some of you play violin, bass. Some of you play oboe, French horn. You go, they couldn't use me up there. Give us a shot. You don't know what we can use. We want to hear from you. Pastor Mike would love to hear from you. If you've got talent out there, don't sit on that. Some of you out there, you're, you're a doctor. Some of you out there are a nurse or an EMT or a you know, paramedic, you're, you, you know, PA or wh- whatever. You're, you're in the medical field. Did you know that we have a medical team here at Heartland? And every week while you're sitting here in church, there are people sitting in this room right now that are waiting for a code to pop up on that screen. And if it does, they're going to beat it out to the lobby and they're going to go out there. They're going to get their instructions. And if you, we had a lady pass out in church one time and, and, and they, we didn't know what had happened, but she lost consciousness and, and, and our team took care of her and they took her to the ambulance, to the hospital. And when she came back to church a couple weeks later, she told me we took better care of her at Heartland than they did at the hospital. Why? Because we have specialized talent that are just sitting there that none of you even know about. That if that code pops up and you're having a medical emergency, you're going to have doctors, nurses, EMTs pushing each other out of the way trying to help you out. Paddles, we got paddles on. Boom, we can hit you. We can take care of you back there. On the wall back there, we got them. I mean, we got it all. I want to do that. If somebody passes out, y'all call me because I want, boom, I want to do that one time. I think that would be great to do that, you know? I've been working on people's hearts for years. I want to bring one back like that. That's, a, that's great. So it's good. But we've got people that do that. But we've got all kinds of people with specialized talents. Some of you have got incredible talents and you're not using them for Jesus. And that's what we're seeing here. Paul, that, that Luke had one and he was using it for Jesus. Why don't you use yours for Jesus? You say, well, I couldn't do anything. I, I just, I, know, I worked at a bank for a while. I got I'm financial talents. Well, you know what? There are people in our church that could use somebody to help them learn how to do a budget. We have classes that we teach. There's something, there's a ways to plug it. Ask us, we'll find something, help you out. And then there's the next guy, and this is the last one we'll talk about. His name is Demas. He's an interesting character. We're gonna learn a special lesson from him today. And he says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Demas was part of the ministry of Paul and a helper. But we learn in 2 Timothy that something happened. Listen to this. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Demas wasn't fully committed. Demas was involved in doing some things, but he was kind of one foot in, one foot out. He had his eye on the world, and the world drew him away, and he left the church. He left the ministry of Paul later on. And you know, well, what can we learn from that? Well, I think we can learn a very simple lesson that we probably already know. And that is that when you have a church, there are times when people will leave. There are times when good people will leave. There'll be times when people leave because they're mad about something. There'll be times when people just, they're not really committed, so they just don't show up anymore. There, people leave, people go and they come in churches. So the lesson for us is, I guess, is the question is then, what do we do when someone leaves? Well, here's what we do. We don't stop loving a person who leaves because they left 
Even if they left because they were mad at us, we don't, we don't stop loving them. We don't treat them badly. We pray for them. And if we know they're, that, 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 that they've left, we, we pay attention to, well, where are they? Did they go to another church or are they just sitting at home? Because if they're sitting at home, I don't care if they did leave, they're going to get a telephone call from me. Because I'm going to say, I know that you may not want to come to Heartland, but you need to be in church somewhere. Let me help you find a place to worship. Let me help you find a place to get plugged in. Because, so we can learn from this that, that people do leave, but when they leave, it's not the end of the world, right? We don't want you to leave. No, you don't leave. We don't, want, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. We want you to be here. And listen, if you, by the way, if you ever do get a little sideways with me, if you think I made a bad decision, a bad call, if you, anything like that, listen, my door is always open. Don't let that fester and don't talk to 14 other people about it. Just come and talk to me about it and we'll get it all straightened out. Usually it's never as bad as it seems. You know how it is. You've already, you've heard something and 14 other people have talked about it. You remember that story when you were in, when you were in grade school and they come out and they say, a chicken laid an egg. And then the next little kid goes and tells this kid a chicken laid an egg and they go around the whole classroom and then the last person in the class gets up and they tells what they've been told. And they can go, this guy's brother died and left his sister a Ferrari. Where did that come? That's how it works when gossip and all that kind of stuff goes around. Just come and talk to us. We're all pretty nice people. Our doors are open all the time. Willing to talk about anything. We just want to exalt Jesus, advance the kingdom, bring God glory. Well, look at all these people. There's all kinds of things. What, what's the big lesson we learn from all these? We learn this, that we are all needed. Every one of you are needed. If God has you here, you're calling this place home you need to join this place. Contact us. Say, I want to join the church. What do I do? I want to be part of the family of Heartland. You, you need to join. You need to get in a small group so that you're, you're, you're talking to people. Get involved. Get plugged in somewhere. Use your gifts. Use your ability. Be part of the community, part of the f church family. We want you to do that. That's so critical. And listen, here's a way you can get started. You say, well, I don't even know anybody around here. Okay, well, let me just tell you how you can fix that. There's a whole bunch of people here. Between services, the lobby's full of people. Instead of just walking in and walking out, go out to the coffee cafe, get a cup of coffee, and just stand out in the lobby, and just somebody walks by and go, hey, how you doing? How long have you been coming here? Old Pastor Ed, pretty good guy? Yeah. I heard this and heard that. Whoa. Just have a talk and just get to know some people. Smile at the greeters and go, hey, thank you for greeting me today. Where are you from? Just, just ask the question. Get to know some people. When you start to know a few people and you're rubbing elbows with a few people, it makes your church experience so much better. You become part of the community. Get plugged into a ministry. Get in a small group. You'll get to know people. Use the gifts, the talents, the resources, the passion, the personality, the education, the work experiences, and all the things that God has given you in your life. Use them for the kingdom. Let's bring them all together, and we can be a powerful force for this community, for the cause of Christ. I believe that wholeheartedly. But listen to me, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. Because you see, all these things that we've been talking about over all these weeks, as we've looked at this book of Colossians, all of these things, think about who Paul was writing to. He was writing to believers, to Christ followers, people that had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm just so excited. I, I gotta just tell you this. 
you know, sometimes I hear about people that put their faith and trust in Jesus and sometimes I don't. And we have a lot of kids that get saved in Heartland. We have an amazing children's ministry and, and they really, you know, work on the children and help them understand what sin is and all those kind of things and forgiveness and they work with them and all that. But I had a lady that was probably in her 70s that I know that came up and hugged my neck with tears in her eyes after the second service because when I talked about commitment, God spoke to her and she placed her faith and trust in Jesus for the first time ever. Let me, say, let me just tell you, if I pastored this church for 20 years like I have and nobody, nothing else ever happened that was great and that woman walked up and hugged my neck and said, I gave my life to Jesus, it's been worth it for 20 years because there's somebody that's gonna be sitting in heaven with me because of the ministry of our church, because of what you've done, your contributions, your prayers, and all of those, and because God has used you and us to, to do the things that we're talking about. We're advancing the kingdom and, and, and making a difference. It's so great. But what about you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe today you need to make that same decision to follow Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You know, the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So maybe today you felt God tugging at your heart and you just pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And Jesus, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and I'm committing my life to you right now in the best way that I understand and know how. I'm giving myself to you to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, we have the promise of scripture that you're saved. And if you made that decision, in a moment, we're gonna stand up and sing and I would encourage you to slide out and go to the back. See one of the people wearing the shirts on that say prayer, the lanyards. Maybe you need to put a, and they'll talk to you about your decision and answer any questions you have, pray with you. Maybe you need to make your way to one of the crosses, put a prayer request, or maybe you need to think about the things we've talked about today and think about where you can get plugged in. I don't know what you need to do, but do what God leads you to do and you can't go wrong. Mike's got a beautiful song to share with us. He's gonna talk about that. Stand with us while we worship.